As you know, Krishna's mentioned already in the Gita, Abhama Bhavana Loka, Punavarsarjuna, Mamukita Tukunteya, Punajamana Vijayate. That from the highest planet in this nature, all down to the lowest, all about places of misery where your repeated birth and death takes place. So, um, but however, when one comes in contact with the pure process of bhakti and attains the order of the world, one doesn't have to come back and uh, take birth again in any material sphere, even on Brahma-loka or Jana-loka or Tafa-loka, no one returns to that. So whether we are in the position of world Brahma, whether we have amassed great wealth or learning, so long as we're trapped in the material sphere, it means repeated birth and death, and it means you have to deal with the extra added costs of having an additional body. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you purchase uh, a product, they don't tell you the full scope of what comes with that product. Like, yeah, you can purchase a car or a motorcycle, yes, they have this gear, this CC power, etc., but they don't tell you, oh, you know, it's slippery on the road or it's exposed to rust, this is what's going to happen. If you go around the bend, it doesn't actually slow down well or X, Y, Z. So they will not give you the full spectrum of everything. Right? And then you have to experience it for yourself. However, in the process of bhakti in books like Bhagavatam and Bhagavad it is laid out. There are no surprises of what we can expect. Well, it's already telling us, look, wherever you take birth in material, you will experience music because you'll have to change bodies. And that is not a great experience. Whether you're in a place like Hawaii, or a beautiful island in Croatia, or Cayman Islands, Bora Bora, it's still a place of misery because there's still disease, old age, and death. What you speak of birth, right? Now we're all being afflicted by the pains of COVID and all of what's it, Omicron? What are you going Omicron and Delta. And there'll be something next. So, everywhere we go, we are going to be hit with um, one of the mysteries of having taken birth in the church. It's unavoidable. So, Krishna lays it out in the Bhagavad Gita in the past time, the Bhagavad time, clearly uh, letting us know, listen, this is what the natural world is. These are the energies. Krishna is explaining his, his Daini Shakti, right? His, his superior energy, his um, inferior energy, and what happens when we try to interact with them, when we try to run it over, what happens to our consciousness, to our mind. What happens when we engage in trying to fulfill our material desires which burn like fire? Right. So Krishna's very open, he's explained what we can expect. There's no hidden scenarios that will catch us by surprise. So here it's it specifically mentions to the extent of our religious or irreligious activities, we will enjoy all suffer the corresponding reactions of the karma that has been created. So whether it's one or bad karma, still you're stuck in the material sphere. And that's not we're not trying to just gain access to the highest club in the material world. 
because they still believe in birth and death. And we're still not fully um, connected with Krishna in our most natural setting. So breaking out of the cycle of birth and death is actually our 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 secondary focus, of course, primarily we want to re-establish our relationship with Krishna. So for devotees, whether that's in the material world or in the higher realms, establishing that connection, that bond with Krishna trumps everything else. And automatically, of course, we get uh, the blessings, uh, the mercy of going to the same planet as the Lord, being engaged in his pastimes, etc. So that is a um, that is a devotee's or a Baptist thinking I want to re-establish my relationship with the Lord. So in this mature world when we hear the word religious and when we talk to a lot of people it doesn't sit well with them. No one wants to be seen as religious because religion has been deemed as something that is very controlling, manipulating, exploitative. Um, and dangerous. Right? So many times they say there are so many wars fought on religious ground, so many persecutions um, fought in the name of religion, so much abuse in the name of religion. Um, and if they pick up the Bible idea, oh, it's on the battlefield, this is a holy book, and people are dying, and it's fighting, there's ghastly images, or the universal book is so scary, so people are thinking. This relig- religiousness itself is unattractive. Of course, what Krishna is proposing is not religion, that is our Sanatana Dharma, our highest Dharma is to be connected with the Supreme Lord. So it's not actually sentimental belief, but I can all day sentimentally believe about anything or anyone and make that my religion. I can believe that. Wearing a certain cologne, or looking a certain way, or worshipping a movie star, or a cricket star, or a Bollywood actor or actress, I can turn that into a belief system, into a religion, follow their footsteps. Right? We follow the footsteps of the six songs of Eleven, of the Gopis of Eleven, of Srila Prabhupada and Prabhupada. Right? We, we follow their, their leadership, we, we follow their activities, and try to serve them. When in the mature world, we follow the footsteps of the movie stars, of the sports stars, of the different types of artists, we put them on a pedestal and that becomes our, our religion, so to speak. Anything that has any mention of the word God or servitude, keep that thing. No one wants to hear about the religion because there's a misunderstanding. Right. This is what Krishna proposes in these texts. It's not religious belief, it's an actual everyday, every minute engagement of the senses. And this interaction with the Lord, with the Lord's devotees, with the Holy Name. So there's so much mercy coming in different ways. So when we act in this world, when we live in such a way that's been guided by the books of the Goswamis, Show progress, progress, then we're actually in a safe path. We're trying to transgress um, the, or we're trying to go beyond functioning under the laws of natural nature, which binds us to this world and which creates more karma. So when we have karma, we're stuck in this material world. When we engage in the process of bhakti, 
um, which can liberate us from karmic activities and results, we can actually be elevated, elevated out of the material cosmos. So, um, in the ninth chapter of the Gita, when Krishna is giving his, you know, confidential knowledge, he speaks to Arjuna about the destination of different people depending on their actions and who they worship or who they pray to. He specifically mentioned if you worship the ghosts and spirits, you will go to them. You worship the ancestors, you will go to them. You worship the devotees, you will go to their planets. If you worship me, you will come to me. Which completely annihilates this idea, which most of us, myself included, back in the day before understanding the principles of of Christian consciousness, all paths reach the same goal. I'm sure some of you have heard this statement. Yeah, you know, it's it's all one. It's the same thing. Whether you do it like this or like that, you come on, so you do this, or you offer something, or buy leave it there, or go on a Saturday, Sunday, whatever path you're on, you won't get there. Actually, no. If you buy a specific ticket to go somewhere, it takes you to a specific place. I don't expect to end up in, in Dubai if I get a ticket to go to London Heathrow as my final destination. Right there, whatever set of principles we live by, or lifestyle we live by, or our mode of worshipping the Lord, or His energies, you go to a specific destination. That is Krishna's, that is Krishna apparently stating, that is a fact. Well, in the same chapter, Krishna explained, if you offer me a leaf, a fruit, a flower, I will accept that solitude. Krishna in the next chapter is giving ways in which we can engage, right? It's the king of knowledge, the most secret of all secrets. That entire chapter encapsulate um, but the process of bhakti. Particularly the latter texts, they specifically speak or they glorify the process of bhakti as why that is supreme. How by worshipping the Lord, even just by offering obeisances, dedicating everything that you do, everything that you eat. All your activities do that as an offering to the Lord. And those activities and their results, they get purified. So, Krishna is very clear that our actions can liberate us in such a way that we break out of the cycle of repeated birth and death, and we do not have to accrue any more good or bad karma. Because that is still good karma, is still binding to essential world. That is not the goal of the devotee. So the modes of um, goodness, passion, ignorance, as explained in the Gita, they do, um, they bind us to this world, and they're always, you know, competing, as Krishna said in the Gita. Sometimes more goodness is more prominent in life, sometimes passion, sometimes ignorance. So the advantage, of course, of the mode of goodness, um, Krishna explains how when one is in the mode of goodness, all gates of the body are unlimited with knowledge. So that means what you hear, what you see, what you speak, your senses are actually more open, alive and alert. If we think of the mode of ignorance, the mode of passion um, is driven by unlimited desire, food activity, hankering, longing, 
right? The moral lamentation that will come with it anyway. So it makes us um, a little bit clouded in our judgment. We do not think clearly most of the time before function and the mode of passion. We are driven by an unlimited desire to acquire, to experience central gratification. Now, when your senses take over, when your intelligence is lacking, your senses take over, uh, more often do we make the wrong choices or the least uh, intelligent choices. So that is what happened when the different modes, whether it's the mode of passion, which creates fruit activity, great attachment and longing, or the mode of ignorance, which dulls us. It dulls our activity from our eating habits to our sleeping habits. And it's not just one day, two day becomes a permanent thing that we are in this slump of just lack of knowledge or inertia, lack of movement, there's no illumination of any sort. Right? That energy really pulls you down. It's very, very difficult to come out of the mode of ignorance. There's no regulation. Right? Anything comes, anything goes. So it becomes difficult to actually extricate yourself from the lowest mode. And that is why the lifestyle that is depicted or that is explained um, by Joe Prabhupada, rising early, keeping the body clean, eating a plant-based diet. We even go further when our food is offered to Krishna, it becomes prasadam, and that way it, it spiritualizes our body. So we're trying to elevate our consciousness. And when one is in the mode of goodness, as I mentioned, one sees things in the right position. One, thinks, one sees things clearer than one would be in the mode of ignorance, where you're just you know, there's a whole lot of illusion there, there's a whole lot of uh, madness. Or when you're functioning under attachment and fruitful activity, it's very, very difficult to actually see things clearly as they are. So in order to try to get rid of these different types of sufferings, I mean, the list is endless in the mature world, whether it's Adi Atmika, Adi Devika, Adi Bautika. Suffering is everywhere, we have to do with our own stuff. There are so many other living entities around us. The elements, COVID, the flu, TB, malaria, whatever. There's diseases, there's so many things that get in the way of having a decent, you could say a decent life. But having a natural body is not going to be decent because it is just rigged with issues. And that is why uh, Prabhupada mentions in the purport of 1411, um, when every gate is illuminated by the symptoms of goodness, it should be understood that one has developed the mode of goodness. In the mode of goodness, one can see things in the right position, one can hear things in the right position, and one can taste things in the right position. One becomes tense inside and outside. In every case, there is development of the symptoms of happiness, and that is the position of goodness. So, of course, this is not the ultimate state that we want to be. We also want to go beyond that goodness and to transcendence. So, hence, we uh, apply 
The Bhakti Prophet is a healing, chanting constantly the glories of the Lord, offering our full service to the Lord, um, adorning our body with markings of the Lord, and hearing about the Lord constantly. So this is what is going to purify our existence in the material world and get out, get us out of this karmic situation. Well, it is that karmic situation that binds us to this world. You go up to the highest planets, you go down to the lowest planets, you have to work and through karma and that keeps on with the cycle of the period of birth and death. So it may look like sometimes we hear about the different, you know, the heavenly planets, how we live for longer, the body is so beautiful, it's so fragrant, you smell like a gazillion French candies, <laughs> right? Strong bodies, beautiful bodies, long life, a lot of vigor. It all sounds good, but that is not the angle because even that has a fa- it, it, it will fade away. Now, if that is that the same thing? You know, when your time is up, your garden shrivels up, the, the youthfulness shrivels up, and then down you go into the lower planetary systems. So it's not a permanent fix. The mode of goodness is not a permanent fix. The mode of passion, the mode of ignorance, these are not permanent fixes to our problems. They permanently fix us in the material world, no doubt. They anchor us into the material world, but they cannot re- release us out of there. That can only be done by, by a spiritual process like bhakti. That can take us out of the material sphere. So when, when and if we act accordingly, um, following the directions given by the great sages, by Shilaprabhupada, the entire Prampa, spiritual masters and teachers, then there is hope on our own to escape what happens in the material sphere. I mean, nothing really belongs to us. Right? How we, we can't control things that don't belong to us. Like even this body is being given by material nature. Right? The air that we breathe. All the elements, the water, where everything has been designed so perfectly in this material world. Yes, it is Krishna's inferior energy for the living entities. And in this domain, we can make a spiritual progress as well. Krishna has come, performed his pastimes, left the pure devotees to write down literature and give us processes to attain him, even while living on this. Um, earthly planet, we can still make a rapid spiritual advancement. And we can use this short life to that advantage. I'm sure that meant, oh, if only I could live for a hundred years, a magnificent body, strength of 10,000 elephants, and etc. It sounds nice, but it's not really the best deal for us. If we follow the, the directives of the Gita, um, of the Shiman Bhagavatam. We understand that it is not so much about the external, what we get from being a mode of goodness, or what we get from living a religious life, whether we are following some karma kind of sense, like Ajahn of course, as we heard in, in the past few classes, Ajahn had a tinge of Vishnu Bhakti, 
and he was following some kind of karma processes as well. But the one thing that saved him ultimately, even after the sinful activities that he performed up to that, you know, elderly age, was that he called out the name of Narayan sincerely. And the Lord's representatives were there. So some of us, if we think of where we were before accessing the process of bhakti, what you speak of Kamakana, you know, that's a regulation, you're following something. And I often think that yes, it's, it's although they be materialistic, or people, you know, they worship devotees and, and, and bring boga and sing prayers on certain days, there's still some level of, of punya, there's still some level of piety of some persons. Where some of us is no regulation, no nothing, the senses are just running wild, no understanding. So some of us were actually worse off than Ajahnu. Worse off, no regulation, no understanding of of sacrifice or worship of any lord of any kind. Um, but somehow the other, by the mercy of Lord Chaitanya or Chananda. Even those persons who were unfit, unqualified to receive Krishna friend, not only just our but Krishna friend, in this Kali, but those fallen ages, Lord Chaitanya that accessible. So if we think about it now, it is such a powerful process. We may live 60 lives or 30 lives, however. We have the verse of Roji Chaitanya that he has given a process that can give you Krishna Prem. And that's been given to us by um, the six Goswamis, Shri Prabhupada, and all the books that they've left behind to help us understand how to make that connection. Because there's no other religious sentiment or beliefs, they keep us still in this material world but this process of bhakti trying to attain Krishna Prem by following the nine process of bhakti that can take us out of this material situation for good. As Krishna states many times that if we if we worship him, if we offer him with love and devotion our activities, all our actions, we will not return to this material sphere. We should not have any fear of that. And we dedicate this one life to Krishna. I remember, I think lately I remember one of the calendars, Prabhupada was mentioning, just give this one life to Krishna. We've given so many lives to just forgetting Krishna and forgetting who we are. But if we can dedicate this one short life to Krishna, that is the, the greatest saving grace. So the verse that's been mentioned here, 1418, I'll just read that in the Gita. Those who live in the mode of goodness gradually go upwards to higher planets. Those in the mode of passion live on the earthly planets, and those in the abominable mode of ignorance go down to the hellish world. And the Prabhupada says there is an opportunity for men in the modes of ignorance and passion to be elevated to the mode of goodness, and that system is called Krishna consciousness. 
I want you guys want to take advantage of this opportunity and certainly continue in the rules. So even some of us who were steeped in Talibun and Rajabu, barely any goodness, <laughs> just by honoring Sankrasak, hearing Aharanam, the chanting of the Holy, somehow we yeah, are because we are Satchivananda, we are eternal full of knowledge and bliss, and we are parts and parcels of the Lord. Something awoke, something was awakened when we were exposed to Krishna in one of these forms, and by gradually feeding, feeding ourselves with more Krishna and Krishna's mercy, our understanding and our proper vision was actually clearer. And that's how it is possible for persons like Jagai Madai of this Kali Yuga to actually chant Hare Krishna and be blissful. Like we read about Jagai Madai in the Chaitanya um, Charitamrita and the activities that they performed and smell of Kali Yuga. And back then it was, of course, a extremely abominable for society, but it's very different. The quality and the consciousness of people was very different. But in the ages that we're living in, that's just kind of normal behavior. Right? So Prabhupada said it is possible for persons who are in the world of passion, people who have unlimited desires, fruit of mentality, and in the world of ignorance, who are driven by madness or illusion, um, great envy, it is possible for people with such qualities to be elevated to the level of, or to the mode of goodness by taking up Krishna consciousness. And what that means is they change their eating habits. But you start eating a certain way, and Prabhupada mentioned that it transforms you from the inside out. When you change what you put into your body, there's obviously a change in in lifestyle, a change in your person. So you change what you do with your your eating habits, your sleeping habits, what you do with your senses, that actually illuminates the body with knowledge and that's what the mode of goodness does. At least it takes you out of the lowest modes of operating. So just by coming in the rising early, coming to the temple, hearing the kirtan, seeing the form of the Lord, seeing the devotees, honoring prasadam, hearing about Krishna's pastimes. You do that, you gradually get yourself from the lowest mode and you rise at least to the mode of goodness. And the more we do that, of course, our consciousness gets more and more purified, our activities get more and more purified, and we try to act on a transcendental platform. So the process is that powerful that it can lift us from the, the lowest mode of nature and at least situate us in the mode of witness where we'll be able to hear and accept more.
into, you mentioned that, like most of us, we, we heard that uh, a common statement that every, every, any religion goes to the same, have the same goal. Mm -hmm. And you gave the example of um, getting a ticket to a specific place, you go to that, you are not expected to go to somewhere else. Yeah. My question is more regarding that. I've been told, I also probably established that all of, all of us eventually we will go back to Godhead. And <clears throat> can we consider that sometimes when we go to celestial planets or infernal or lower systems like that, being in transit and eventually we will go back to Godhead? Time in the world is dance of being in the material, spiritual problems is in going on because we are, you know, we're that marginal potency. We can either stick our hands in and enjoy the material or the spiritual energy. So we have that free will to choose. And as per the statement, that you know, eventually we will all end up back home in Godhead with the Lord. That depends on the living entity as well. So we may begin our journey, it may take us countless births, we may start in different places, we may be influenced by this in one life, then travel from there, become a yogi, become a bhakti yogi, like that. So it may take us a few lifetimes to get there, but that is, that is as per the free will of the individual entity and their relationship with the Lord. So yes, as I mentioned, not all paths are going to take us to the same destination. There is one ultimate, the highest destination, and there is one way of getting there, or there is a process to get there. I cannot use the same process to go to my ancestors or the spirits. It will not be the same as going back to Vekunta or Goloka. So there's different um, processes that will get you to different places. But as you go through your journey back to Krishna, you may start off somewhere, you may start off worshipping, let's say, maybe Ganesh in one life, and then you worship Hanuman, then you worship Lord eventually you arrive at Krishna. So it may take a few hundred times of jumping from here to there, guided by the super soul and the heart. Guided by the world, because as you remember, um, whatever spiritual, um, su whatever superiority we have, it takes, it, it goes with us into the next life. So whatever spiritual uh, benefit we perform in each life, that keeps on accruing. So we keep getting mercy. Eventually, by the Lord's grace, we will end up where our desires want us to end up. So. We may worship Lord Shiva for a very long time, maybe Shiva Bhaktas, and by the mercy of Lord Shiva, we may start worshiping uh, Lord Krishna at some point in a different lifetime. So it may take a while, but there's a process to go to the Lord, and when we follow that process, it will take us there. So that helps.